All the lemons in the winter grow cold in the winter time and everything's feeling fine, cool and yellow. Don't it feel good? All the moon and the sun shines, all the dream paint twice just to say hello in the tree tops. Listen, got caught in a rain cloud, getting pretty cold out and misplaced for jacket boots. When the sun hits, lights up your eyelids, dark days coming, but think that I can act such a bright morning on green and blue. She said I can feel God in the soles of my shoes. Hey, how's it going? Welcome. Tell You What, the podcast. We talk with musicians about music making and the creative process. Our guest today is Brooklyn-based trio Damn Tall Buildings. This was a fun episode because I was able to record it live in person at the Folk Alliance Conference in Kansas City last month. Late last year, we had Damn Tall Buildings perform an excellent show right here at Tell You What Studios, and they agreed to sit for this interview when we met up again amidst the mayhem that is the Folk Alliance Conference. I had a great time at the conference. Folk and roots artists from all over the world were gathered there, playing sets till all hours in hotel rooms. Among the highlights for me were a folk metal band from Norway called Gangar. Imagine a fiddler playing traditional Norwegian folk tunes, backed by headbanging electric guitar, bass, and drums. Also a fellow by the name of Stash Weislouch, an amazing guitarist who plays, quote, deconstructed bluegrass. You kind of have to see it. You can find him on the YouTube. I also got to see Buffalo Rose perform a song live with folk legend Tom Paxton. The first time they have been able to perform together, they'd been working together remotely for several years, so great to see them finally do so in person. It was a great moment. I also caught some acts I hope to have on the podcast this year, among them Joby Riccio, a great singer-songwriter with a new record on the way from Yep Rock, and Humbird from right up the Midwest Road in Minnesota. She put on just a riveting show, had me hypnotized. To hear more of what I like about music or what I think you might like, be sure to subscribe to the Hey How's It Going newsletter. It comes out monthly, it's free, and worth every penny. Chock full of good vibes and bad grammar. Subscribe at the Tell You What Podcast website or drop me an email at tellyouwhatpodcast at gmail.com. Anyway, our guests today, Damn Tall Buildings, Sasha Dubik, Max Capistran, and Avery Bellata, who was sometimes referred to as Montana in our discussion, are just awesome people and extremely talented musicians. They've been playing together for years after meeting up as students at Berklee College of Music. They had an excellent record out last year called Sleeping Dogs. I find myself going back to it all the time. We had some laughs in this one, but also the band offered great insights into their creative process, how they found their way to Roots Music and to each other, how they work together creating songs, and how that has changed over time. Max's interesting lyrical approach, and lots more. You should also catch one of their live shows. You will not be disappointed. In the meantime, please enjoy this Tell You What discussion with Avery, Sasha, and Max. Damn Tall Buildings. Damn Tall Buildings, Avery, Max, Sasha, welcome to Tell You What the Podcast. Thank Ooh. you. It is good to be here. Finally. Yeah, finally. We've been working on this for a little while, but I'm glad we waited till we are in this special place to tell you what, Satellite Studios, Kansas City, Missouri. Let's set the scene a little bit. 
I saw the three of you wandering the halls of this hotel last night, carrying your instruments around, <laughs> surrounded by interesting people. We are here at the Folk Alliance International Conference. Ooh. Right? Yeah. Yes. That's right. Can you guys tell us about what this thing means to you, what you what you think of it, what's happening here? It's great. We It's a mixed bag of getting to see a bunch of friends. Right. Like it's like a big reunion in a lot of ways. And then playing at ridiculous hours of the night. In uh, hotel rooms. In hotel rooms. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of... It's like the musician's equivalent to an Iron Man, in, <laughs> in a way. You know? <laughs> All day you're talking to people and then like just... Everywhere you go, you run into people in the elevator, the hallway, you're talking, 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 and then you're like playing till late at night and talking till late at night and waking up. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I, it is interesting. People that are, don't really think about the life of a touring musician, when you come to something like this and you see the other musicians, this isn't a regular thing. You don't get a chance really to interact with some of these people who are your friends very often, right? Yeah, it's weird because you see people uh, all around the country, like sporadically, like we'll see some of these bands once or twice here or there, but never do we see like all of the bands all at once in one spot. So that's like, that's cool. It's described to me as kind of summer camp. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It is the real band camp. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Let's get down to business. I want to talk a little bit about your musical backgrounds. I know that you all met up at Berkeley College of Music, but maybe you can each talk about how you found your way to the kind of music you play now. Specific question like, was Roots or Bluegrass styles always where you were musically headed? And maybe you can each take a crack at telling us how you got to playing this kind of music. Avery? Sure, (laughs) I'd be happy to. I started playing the fiddle when I was nine years old, and Roots music wasn't necessarily in my vision as what I was wanting to do, but the fiddle definitely was a part of my life, whether I knew it or not. So, like, I started playing the fiddle when uh, my mom took my brother and I to a used instrument swap at the local high school. And I saw this fiddle, and I put my hand on it, and I was like, "This is this is my fiddle. This is <laughs> this is the one." Yeah. And uh, uh, that set off a long chain reaction of kind of like, I, "This is in my gut. I wonder what it means." Kind of feelings. Hmm. And uh, so my brother picked up the fiddle at three <laughs> at wow. the same time, so we got to learn together, which was really special. We we would work together on just like playing duets and like learning tunes and stuff. All the while, I was learning how to read music and, and follow the more classical, like, orchestral... Violin. Violin, right. Definitely. Um, very clean. Yeah. Clean uh, fiddle. Very clean fiddle. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. and then um, I started writing music, started composing when I was 14, and... Uh, this would have been... Ballet, right? Ballet, yeah, ballet. I would write a lot for, like, orchestra stuff. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so... Between like 14 and, and 17, I wrote uh, one piece that was performed with a ballet and another that my high school orchestra performed and um, and one more that was actually a little bit closer to like a jazz fusion rock thing <laughs> with wow. no words, but you know. It's fascinating. It was cool. Yeah. And that's continued to be a passion of mine. That's what brought me to Boston. Right. I started going to college in Montana State. University uh, for Music Technology, mm-hmm. and because uh, I was pretty convinced I wanted to write for film, like film music. I learned a lot 
on the technology side and fell in love with recording and production. And yeah, my last year at MSU, I, I put down the fiddle. I just like was like, I'm, I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> I would rather write. Okay. So I focused on composing for a year, and then another one of those like gut feelings. I'm like, I get, I, I should probably f- pursue this. My, my aunt was dating uh, the brother of the head of the songwriting department at Berkeley at okay. the time. And uh, that's that's what inspired me to, to <laughs> apply. <laughs> interesting. It, it was, it, I, I don't know if anything else would have done it. <laughs> Sounds like it was definitely meant to be. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Destiny. So, <laughs> so that was... That was funny, and uh, yeah, I sent in like a little demo uh, to Pat. Pat Pattinson. Yeah, Pat Pattinson. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And um, so I ended up going, making the trek out to to Boston and got in, and and then once you get in, of course, you need to start playing again. Yeah, <laughs> you got to pick up the fiddle. And uh, exactly. I'm so, going to cut you off because I want to get back to the academic experience after we hear from the three of you because I think that's an interesting thing to talk about. Mm, totally. Who would like to talk next about their background? Sasha, you're next in the line. Go next. Yes. Um, so I started out singing at probably eight, I want to say. Okay. My dad had a klezmer band, which is oh, yeah. European Jewish folk music of some kind. And so I was singing with him for a while, and I got into musical theater, mm-hmm. middle school, high school, and I, I thought I was good at it. And I was like, well, I guess this is what I should do with my life. I should mm-hmm. go to Broadway. And so I went to Muhlenberg College, which is in Pennsylvania, for a year, and I decided theater was not meant for me. (laughs) (laughs) The theater route was not... (laughs) What do you think it was that made you think that? Um, I was getting more into music, and I was like, I love singing, and I don't love acting. Yeah. Yeah. and I, I always felt that way, but I was good at the singing part of it, so I always got good parts and, right. you know, I just naturally fell into that world. Uh, a musical half of musical the, theater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, like, and I love to dance, and I always took dance classes, but I really didn't like acting. So I, I went to, actually, I was home back in Philly for my voice teacher's recital of all her students, and she had a bunch of students that got into Berkeley that year. Hmm. And I never heard of Berkeley before. They were talking about it. And they were all excited, and I was like, "Oh, what? What is? What is this?" And I was actually a psychology and theater major at Muhlenberg, so I was interested in working with like kids and the therapy sides of things. Right. Uh, so I studied music therapy at Berkeley. Okay. When did you pick up the bass? At Berkeley. Oh, interesting. I was like strictly a vocalist. Yeah. For my whole life, <laughs> with some piano. How did you get? Talked into playing roots or bluegrass kind uh, well, style of music. Okay, so I, I'm from Philly. I grew up with like Motown, jazz, gospel, funk. That's my like. I do not have any roots music in my growing up experience. Besides maybe klezmer. I guess. Yeah, right. Yeah. Minor yeah. bluegrass. <laughs> I guess I. Well, you know, like as a kid, I'm like, oh, I'm singing in my dad's right. band. It's <laughs> so not cool. You're still saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then I met these guys okay. at school, and that's uh, Max became my best friend, and he was like, "You gotta play bass. I want to start a band, and you should play bass in it." And I was like, "You're crazy." Interesting. <laughs> I just sing. I have a technical question, and this is something that I find interesting that I've learned recently that evidently is very hard to play the bass and sing at the same time. It took me 
oh, like... Can you talk about that? Yeah. Okay. So we had, we got this gig, we started a band, we're in college, we're kids, uh, and we got this gig in Salem, Massachusetts, about like 45 minutes on the train outside of Boston, and uh, I think we did it for three or four years. It became like our weekly Thursday night, this is what Damn Tall Buildings did, it's sort of like how we grew up as a band, Uh, and that's where I learned how to play the bass. So I had this standing three-hour gig every week, and I had rented the bass and like three days later, had our my first gig. So like, I definitely could not play the bass at all. <laughs> We're talking about a, a big acoustic bass here. Big um, acoustic yes. upright bass. The harder version. Big strings. <laughs> yes. I had a, like a student rental bass. Never played a string instrument before in my life. And Max was like, "You'll be fine. You're good. You got rhythm. You'll figure it out." <laughs> I was right. I was right. <laughs> I'd have to agree with you. <laughs> um, and I didn't sing for a while. Okay. Which was like weird because I was like I'm this now in this band like doing this thing that like I'm not good at I don't even know where the notes are that I'm playing I don't know what notes I'm playing <laughs> my fingers hurt uh, <laughs> uh, but then I did it for a while and like I fell in love being in the band and performing in that way and now I play the bass <laughs> <laughs> no I guess I, I'm trying to think of what song it was because I remember like there was one song where I was like I think I can sing now like, yeah. I think there's one like, I think I can try to do it at the same time. Yeah. But it did take, a, a, like, a full year and a half, I want to say. To be before, able to do them at the same before time. Before even just, like, background vocals, so like, oohs and ahs to add on. It was just really, you know, rubbing your belly, tapping your head yeah. type of thing. Well, uh, you Playing can... syncopated rhythms with your fingers and then singing on the beat with your voice. And... Right, two different beats. Yeah. It's yeah. a confusing thing. Yeah. For your well, body to figure out. down now, I'll say. But, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> I think it would surprise a lot of people. To realize how hard that is, like drumming too, I guess, yeah. Yeah. Um, and singing, right? Yeah. All right, Max. Hi, I'm Max. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, how did I get into Roots music? I guess that's what we play. <laughs> uh, you can change that definition. Uh, any way you no, want. no. Montana said Roots music, okay. and I think that that's that's a good qualifier of okay. what we do. Uh, I like grew up listening to blues music. My dad was like a rock and roll blues like guy uh so i like fan, he had, but not a, mu- not a musician not a musician okay. just a fan like he was a, a wild partier that cleaned up his act but uh-huh. he like kept that rock and roll spirit uh so we had like the vinyl uh player in our living room and so i grew up listening to like his vinyls which was really cool i also listened to like terrible music as well i'm not like that cool but i did uh, <laughs> i did get a you know a good dose of good uh blues and like classic rock so that like influenced me at the beginning but I realized the other day we were on like a really long drive, so I was like looking through, listening to old music, and like my number three influences growing up were Modest Mouse, Bob Dylan, and Bob Marley, which is like quite a spread. Yeah. Uh, but when I look at our music now and what we play and like roots music in general, like it embodies a lot of the characteristics of those like three genres. Yeah. Uh, or three bands, I guess. I don't know if I call them genres, but. Uh, yeah, I feel like uh, this type of music, Roots music, we see it influence so much of all of the music that we listen to. So for anyone to fall into it, I feel like it can be like a natural thing. And for me, it certainly was like very natural to fall in love with like, I went to Berkeley, met these guys. I wanted to play blues, uh, play in a blues band. I had like my electric guitar and an amplifier. So when you picked up the guitar at 
What age? Uh, I don't even know, like nine or something. I wanted to play drums. I was honestly pissed that I was playing guitar, but my parents (laughs) were like, you have to play guitar first. But blues (laughs) guitar was your first love. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to play blues. Like I grew up playing like blues gigs throughout high school at a place called the Pasta Loft. Uh, <laughs> we played there too. We've all played, yeah, 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 we've all played at the okay. loft. Uh, we have shirts. But yeah, I wanted to play blues guitar. But like, I lived in a studio apartment when I moved to Boston. I couldn't jam there, and I didn't want to lug my stuff on the train. And I met Montana, and we started playing music on the street. And we met this guy, Paul Scroy, who plays. He grew up in Pennsylvania and plays country music and like sort of bluegrass, but old real country, Hank Williams and stuff. Yeah. So we started playing with him on the street, and it kind of just slowly gravitated towards like bluegrass. Michael Daves and Chris Thiele put yeah. out their record okay. that year. Uh, that was I, an influence. Yeah. 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 yeah so. All right. So now we're at Berkeley. I want to talk about the academic experience of music, if we can. Because not every bluegrass or roots musician or band has a degree from Berkeley, right? Uh, we've had some of your Berkeley associates on the podcast, the Lula Wiles folks, Western Den, right? And we've oh, talked yeah. about this. You're all obviously highly technical, technically skilled at your various instruments. I'm guessing the school helped with that. But I find it interesting maybe to talk about how your creative selves were guided in the academic environment at Berkeley, maybe specifically songwriting. Uh, yeah, I, I went to school for songwriting there. Uh, not at first, but I found myself uh, in that department, uh, and that's what I ended up leaving with. Uh, and it it's an interesting situation uh, learning how to write songs like in a classroom because right. uh, it is such a like emotional and personal thing for so many people. Like you know, people grow up writing songs in their bedroom and you sing them to yourself. And like if you start singing them to your friends and your family and other people, like that's a big deal. You know, and like going into college, everyone's young. Most people aren't, you know, playing these songs out for people all the time. So then to go into a classroom and have to learn how to like turn that thing that was so personal and vulnerable into, you know, something that's now like, oh, you come in and you present this, what I told you, like this structured song that I told you to build. And it's like, okay, well, how do I switch from being you know, this being a personal thing to this being such a mechanical thing? Right. And I think that was like one of the weirdest things about going to school for songwriting. So you almost had to like, I had to separate which songs I wrote for me personally and for the band, you know, uh, and what I wrote for school. They were two separate things for me. And I don't know if that was for everybody, but like I went in. So you had like separate notebooks. Separate notebooks. Yeah. I'd go in and like exercise. Like I had for songwriting, you know, class, they tell you like, you have to write a song that has a refrain. And so like I would write like a whole song but it was so like you have to do it once a week you know how I write songs is very different than that but this taught me so many things about like one songwriting practices and like techniques you can use to keep creativity flowing like because writer's block can be a permanent thing if you don't do things to unblock it you know so one like the techniques that you learn in school to get through stuff like that as well as like I just had no idea how like the human ear takes in music and sound and like how rhythm and uh, pitch and all that sort of stuff really like can affect the human experience and to learn, you know, exactly what's happening in a pop song that makes people really stoked. We spend a lot of time learning about pop music. What's a hook? What's a hook? Yeah. And 
a motif and all this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And like, we don't play pop music now, but I definitely use those techniques that I learned in the school now when I write uh, personally. And it's still now an emotional thing, but I, I have those, that background. Yeah. But it's almost like, yeah, I don't know, like training to be, uh, I love to surf, but to be like a professional, crazy, big wave surfer, like you have to do insane training in the gym and yeah. on the street and eat healthy. Like all these things that don't actually seem to be like 100% what you're doing. But when you're in the water, you remember all that stuff, you know? Yeah. Do you think any of the questions from your school notebook leaked over? into the other notebook and became a For, song you would perform? I, you know, as I was just talking about this, I was wondering, and I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Someday in the Tall Damn Buildings archive, someone is going to get that notebook and there'll be like a production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the academic <laughs> yes. writing Max's someone, academic yeah. songs. <laughs> papers. Yeah, yeah. Someone, I was at a songwriting seminar or talk yesterday here and the person was talking about some famous artist, Matisse or something, and it was like, they did these big paintings, but the one you saw was the 15th version. They had 14 others in the garage that never were put up. But now it's interesting to look at those 14 and see what the structures were that produced the final one. So this is where we might get with you. Hey, hey I yeah. hope so. When you're dead yeah. and I'm still around, I'm going to go get that notebook. And, you know, I hope you like, sell it for a lot of money. <laughs> we get the songwriting museum where we'll talk about that. Wow, it would be an honor. Yeah. Avery, you studied songwriting at Berkeley as well. Can you add anything to what you maybe learned from a technical standpoint or something else that influenced your creative path? Sure. Um, you know, I studied songwriting through Max's studying. Of songwriting. <laughs> so, yeah, I, because uh, I was in the film scoring department. Okay. And so I, yeah, I'd say that I definitely learned that I am a songwriter w within that context, yeah. which is inspiring because like for a long time I definitely thought it wasn't <laughs> you know <laughs> like I'll write down the score that's fine like let me let me copy do the copy work all day but and I'll sing your songs you know <laughs> but I'm still learning like I said I, I learned a lot of fun like techniques and stuff like that like when Max was talking about like oh you gotta write a song with a refrain that's like all I do right now <laughs> Uh, so we just talked about that the other well, yeah, day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so songs like, with refrains. With refrain, yeah. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the yeah. first refrain model. You toss in a bridge, and I'm happy. Yeah, and uh, and so far it works, which is why co-writing is really amazing. I think that that's something that, especially in the last year or two, three that we've been working together, writing stuff and working on stuff together, it's great because like sometimes like all you can come up with is the verse, right, and then. Yeah, I mean, I wrote I wrote a chorus like six years ago, and I've been trying to find something to put it to. And Sasha wrote a verse like a year ago, yeah. and we were like, "Oh, that's great! We love these verses that you wrote. We need we something." Just like couldn't figure out what, yeah. where to go with it and what to do, and was yeah. like, "This is cool. We like this, uh, but, but we, well, we have nothing. We have nothing to do. <laughs> like we don't know. Like so, it just got put in this like bucket of like, well, we'll do something with that one day. The, the parts, spare parts, yeah. spin. Yeah. And then we put them together, and sometimes you get like a mutant vehicle, and it works yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> We, I was at home and I got like a little voice memo to our damn tall buildings text message yeah. like group chat and it was Max like in the living room like singing my verses <laughs> with his like old chorus that he couldn't put together and he was like how does this sound like should we does this work together like do we just figure this out <laughs> and that's the funny thing too is learning 
what makes you feel something. Mm. A lot of it is like when you're talking about the versions of stuff, mm -hmm. it's like a lot of that comes down to uh, feeling that in your gut where it's like, okay, this makes me feel something. So that can stay. And then this, this makes me feel absolutely nothing. Yeah. Uh, so that needs to be replaced. <laughs> so, uh, but with what? You know? So, so like, going through iterations of something until you start to feel. Yes. Something. The truth. The truth. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yep. Let's talk a little bit more about your process as a group. Um, we talked about this a bit before the microphone was turned on about Max, maybe you being primary generator of song ideas and how does that work in the group context and maybe also talk about how that may have changed over time you guys have been at this for a while uh, it is changing it's changing right now you know i uh, like the our first couple albums i wrote all the material but as we have grown as a band and everyone has grown individually like everyone is starting to write more songs and feel comfortable writing more songs and bringing them to the band and uh, that just like brings back real quick to the college conversation it was like learning how to take intense criticism on your songs like yeah. to bring in a song and have everyone in the room is supposed to be like this is what's wrong with what you wrote you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it, to, to feel okay to be vulnerable enough to share something personal like that and be able to be strong enough to take the critique takes a long time so like uh, I, I've i always loved these guys. Like, I always bring these songs in, and they're always honest with me, and mm -hmm. I love it. But, you know, I think it's taken a while for everyone to feel the same sort of, like, comfortableness, because, like, I, I had to do it in school, you right. know? But now, you know... You're Avery, also really good at just, like, you spit out material, like... Well, just, yeah, that's a diff that's a whole different that's a, topic. Like, he's just constantly sent. We get voice memos all the time, like Mountain Bout, and just like six songs pop up. He's right. like, Listen to this co chorus. Is this good? Like, do you like it? Should we do something with it? Practice. So if you <laughs> say no to five, there's still one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they're they they've been both writing songs to bring them to the group. So uh, you know, two records ago. Avery wrote a beautiful song, Location. Mm -hmm. uh, that wasn't even supposed to be a damn tall building song. He sent me, it was on like another one of his personal EPs. And I was like, dude, you bring this song to the band. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm going to interrupt because I think my daughter Lucy told me she heard you sing that song last night. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. She mentioned yeah. what a great, lovely song it oh, was. Thanks. In fact, it is yeah, a great, yeah, lovely song. It's a beautiful song. song. I yeah. love playing that song. I remember when I, I first playing. listened to it. Yeah. I, to be honest, I was on the toilet. I remember. <laughs> and I was like, this is beautiful, man. Yeah. <laughs> but there are times where you bring a song to the group and Sasha might sing it or the yeah. people are bringing their well, the, instrumental input to the song hundred percent it comes together. Yeah, especially in the instrumental way. Like, we definitely build, like, I don't write instrumental parts for the most part. Like, I'll, I'll come in with just, you know, some lyrics, the melody, and, you know, the harmony, like the guitar part. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll really build that up together. As far as Sasha singing, this has been definitely more of a prominent thing that we're thinking of these days, where, like, when I'm writing songs sometimes with her voice in mind. That's Which one is, of my questions, so I want to hear. I'm about trying. This. It's yes. hard though. She sings much better than me. Titles, so. <laughs> well, I wanted to let me frame the question. I hesitate to use this phrase, "secret weapon," but Sasha has this amazing, powerful 100%. voice. Not right? so secret. Secret. Yeah. Yeah. Not a secret. No, but the secret weapon is definitely yeah. that is what yeah. it is. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but here you are writing lyrics, and now I want you to talk about writing for another person's voice, not just. Well, both the sound of, and the way they sing, but also the their 
they'll be the one presenting these lyrics. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it, you know, it's changed over time. Like I said, like, I think I never... Our first couple albums, like, Sasha's not singing a ton on it. It's because I didn't know how to do that. And yeah. she also couldn't sing and play the bass at the same time. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, now I'm... It, it's still weird. But, you know, it's funny. I feel like I write... I start writing songs. Like, the pra- I, there's a practice of songwriting. You know, it takes practice like any instrument, which is something that I didn't realize and which a lot of people don't realize. Like, everyone says it takes 10,000 10, hours to master your instrument. Like, it takes 10,000 hours to be able to write a good song. Like, yeah. you got to write so many bad songs, you know. And so I've written so many bad songs. Uh, but now I feel like I'm in a practice where I just try to, like, pump out material all the time, as much as I can, just even if it's bad, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like for Sasha's voice, like... I'll be writing a song in the sometimes the lyrics just like line up. I can see it coming out of her mouth, okay. you know? So you don't uh, sit down and say, I'm going to write a song no. in Sasha's voice. It's sometimes some of what comes out. Occasionally I feel like way. you have your like, I'm trying. Like, a, he's yeah. like, I'm but that trying never so works hard. Out. But, but like here I uh, lyrically I wanna say like you're very like Bob Dylan y meets modest mouth, very wordy, lots of words. Yeah, we're gonna like, get um, to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I don't know. I think She's I have something wrong problem. with my mouth. I have, <laughs> I have a jaw. I have a lot of jaw oh. tension. And so I have a lot of trouble fitting like lots of little words right. uh, and enunciating. It's hard. Yeah. it's. But a lot of the stuff that he writes that like sounds cool when he sings it and he thinks he's like bringing it. He's like, you should try this. You should try singing this. Mm-hmm. And I'll try to sing what he just wrote. And it sounds really cool when he does it. Yeah. And then I go to do it. And it's like, ah. Oh. <laughs> what happened <laughs> that's mm, no <laughs> I definitely I realize I can't like I can't intentionally at least at first be like I'm writing this song for Sasha cause like yeah it's, it, I feel it, like then, melodies change like when melody, we like yeah. end up putting it together it's okay. like now let's add a little more like movement <laughs> height and depth to, this goes back to, to my melody. punk rock influences Heck just yeah. one <laughs> note melody <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but it's interesting to hear you talk about this kind of struggle to, to yeah. get yourself in that mode. Oh, it's a hundred percent. Yeah. Struggle. It's a struggle. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think we're getting better at it. Yeah. It's like, it's like practice and growing just like with anything else. But yeah, the hardest part is like her voice. She has the ability to hit all sorts of melodies and notes like that are all over the place where like for me to sing a, a melody that's, you know, kind of all over the place. <laughs> I, I just don't have, you know, the, the chops yet. Woke up foggy window panes, sitting still staring at the pouring rain. All feels different, but it looks the same. Got up early and I'm tired again. Don't I sit better with the proper view? Hot tar burning up the avenue. Long gone before I even knew. Can't remember what I said to you. But it all keeps coming. Sasha started to hit on this a little bit, and I want to get into it. Your lyrical style is somewhat unique, right? Aside from the content, which we'll get to when we talk about (laughs) some of the songs, I'm going to use some technical terminology here. I hope everyone can keep up. (laughs) You use a lot of words. (laughs) Do you agree with that? I follow. It's not quite stream of consciousness. A lot gets said, but also it's pretty like direct, right? It seems like you're often directly addressing your audience head on 
right? Rather than just offering observations out into the void. Mm-hmm. It seems like you are addressing the listener or challenging the listener in some way. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Maybe you can talk about that yeah. style. Yeah, I think that goes back to like uh, the influences I had, like my three obsessions. Like I just listened to so much Modest Mouse, Bob Dylan, and Bob Marley. Like I was ripping music off the internet, you know? Uh, so I grabbed all three of their discographies and I listened to each one of their full discographies, which is so much time. Where like it took a Bob month. Bob Dylan would take Bob the rest Dylan, of my life to listen to It took to a month that. and I only listened to Bob Dylan. That was yeah. it. I didn't listen to anyone else. I listened to Bob Dylan for a full month, Bob Marley for a full month. Modest Mouse, not as long, but mm-hmm. listen to them all. Uh, but the influences that all of them have, like first of all, Bob Dylan, like I mean, I'm a big reader, uh, and I love the Beat Generation, and Bob Dylan was right in there with Stream of Consciousness, so, like, I get that inspiration mm-hmm. from him, I think, in those one-note melodies. <laughs> uh, but the talking directly to your audience and challenging your audience and challenging your listener, that's, like, 100% from Modest Mouse. Okay. Uh, not 100%, but, you know, yes. that's a huge influence. Their music and their lyrics specifically, especially growing up, challenge you to think about uh one of the big things that like i struggle with and every songwriter struggles with is everyone wants to just write about love like everything is a love song whereas modest mouse like those guys don't really write love songs for the most part uh and if they do there's some mutilated love song (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but they write about like questioning life and the those sorts of things so i like to try to like follow that path uh and challenge us all to think about like what we're doing here, who we are, and you know why are we all in this room together? Yeah. You know, since I've met, since I've known Max in college, uh, I'm not really I'm like new to the songwriting lyrical world of things. Uh, and you always said from the beginning, you're like, why why write a love song? Like everybody writes love songs. I'm so tired of hearing love songs. And then you also told me something I remember. Don't say the word I. Yes. Why yeah. are you talking about yourself? That's it. I've heard that before, and it's a very interesting yeah. technique. Uh, like, I love a lot of songs that use I, and I love a lot of love songs. You know, I'm not a hater. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I've noticed that when I, like, write songs and say I, like, it, I feel like I'm, I, I feel like I'm begging everyone to just, listen to me and my plight and like these songs aren't I don't want these songs to be about me like they yeah. come from me and they my experiences of course but like Sasha's always like what is this song about that you're writing it's like I don't know like the meaning does come throughout the process you know yeah. that's why I go back to that thing I mentioned earlier like it's a block of marble that you're just carving down to find what was intentionally there like I do feel like for my songwriting like I never sit down and I'm like I'm gonna write a non-love song where I don't use the word I. Like, <laughs> just what uh, yeah, it's just what happens. Yeah. It's also kind of a, a show versus tell thing too, yeah. right? Yeah. Right? Not saying I think this. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I want to talk about live performance for a minute. Um, I have seen you all perform live, including an excellent show at the Tell You What Studios recently. Oh, right. They're nice awesome. studios. Yeah. We recommend it. Really <laughs> uh, and I saw you perform in a hotel room last night. You cert- and I've seen you perform in the woods. So I've yeah. seen yeah. three different, three different, the different three pillars. Yes. So woods, my living room, and a hotel room. Trying all live performance. <laughs> but you put on, you are known for, and I can verify this, putting on compelling, entertaining live shows, and it seems like you're having a grand time up there on stage. Um, 
I was first recommended to your music by my musician daughter, Lucy, who, whom you have crossed paths with. I've looked up some old notes from her and she said, quote, I think they just rock. Also, they are fun kids. <laughs> yes. That's, yes. Yeah, perfect. That's a pretty good summation. Yeah. So can you talk about what you think is important to a live show, what you are trying to bring to your audience? First thing that popped in my mind was like, we want everybody to have a good time. Like we're up here putting on a show, which like, obviously we're here to perform, but like we have to be up here on the stage or in the woods for, you know, an hour or two in front of you. Like we want to have a good time. So we want you to be experiencing that with us. And hopefully that's like a joyous, happy time. Mm -hmm. And, and there's moments of like, you know, like where we take down for a moment, Mm -hmm. uh, where it's not all like foot stomping party time music. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. To give people everything too. Yeah. Like not just, not just to give them that one frequency of like, this is, all a great time you know a lot of our music is not about life is a great time you know right. a lot of the music we're writing is a little introspective it could be a little you know bumpy but uh i th- i think to have like just this experience with everyone where we feel like we've shared something in this one room uh together we talk about that a lot at the end of the shows and like we are so we talk about how grateful we are for that and we are so grateful you know we don't take it for granted that all these people come out to see us play music and that we get to play with them and that we get their attention for an hour to two hours or whatever. With that, we want everyone to feel like this was worth their time and that we've all gained something from this experience. I think that's our number one goal with our live performance and that's what drives like the energy, the excitement and all of that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't like to brag very often, but Bruce Molsky yesterday said that he saw us play and he left the show and couldn't help but have a smile on his ah. face. That's our goal 100% of the time. And he's someone yeah. that I would take that company uh, yeah, from. Yeah, certainly. for sure. I'm making a t-shirt that says yes. this. <laughs> <laughs> Avery, anything to add? I, I'd say that we, we have learned over the last decade about like what it takes to hold space. I think that's a big thing. Like we're kind of, we're up there. We're like the beacon of light that the anchors a moment in time on that stage, you know? And then everyone who's there, we're all human beings hanging out in this one spot. Mm. Um, and like, you know, Max is talking about like keeping the flow of it, uh, engaging and everything and like really connecting each other to, to the moment itself. And then I think a lot of our gratitude comes from that exchange. It becomes this like back and forth. It's not just like a let's, you know, you shout out, I'll shout out these lyrics and you shout them back at me kind of a thing. It's like, let's sing together. Yes. You know, like yeah, let's yeah. figure this out where we're like sharing this moment together. And then, because um, that's impactful. That's, I think, again, a lot of our gratitude has been learned from the impact of really true moments that we've all shared together uh, on stage together and on stage with audiences and Mm -hmm. everything. And it just keeps getting better. That's Uh, great. So, yeah. Let's talk about a couple of songs um, specifically. We're going to dive right in. I'm going to talk about the song Podcast. (laughs) Now, sometimes in these interviews, when I find particular lyrics that are striking or worth discussing, I'll read them back to my guests and that can start the conversation. (laughs) In this case, I think it would be helpful for you, Sasha, 
to perhaps recite the opening lines of this song for us. I really think of further discussion. So can you do that for us? Yes, I will recite them. Yes. The first verse starts with sleeping on the ground, thinking you're so profound. Keep going. <laughs> Your podcast sucks, and I think I hate you. What? <laughs> Sasha? Uh, she, she told me she wrote that about you, man. Sasha. <laughs> I thought we were friends. It's nothing personal. <laughs> okay. I've been waiting for that moment yeah. since you guys agreed to, to this interview, so I had to get through that. That's awesome. You can't ask me too many questions. I didn't think about that when I wrote this, like this the interviews This is a... I, I love this song. Let me just say that. Oh, thank you. Um, um, it's about, I think, the end of the world, but also maybe an indictment of the entertainment industry in mm-hmm. part, of which you are a part, right? Mm-hmm. So can you talk about the aspects of this song? Uh, I think this came <laughs> from a summer when we were <laughs> collectively, like, you know, we spent a lot of time in the van mm-hmm. together. And uh, we were just, you know, hashing out our, like, certain frustrations with, the industry that we find ourselves in, which, yeah. you know, I'm sure every business, whether whether it's teaching or business, I don't know, yeah. finance, like you, you got your things that you're a little frustrated with. Yeah. But not every business has the outlet where you can just write a song about how much. <laughs> yeah. 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 It hits different than an email. Yeah. <laughs> you're female to everyone in my industry. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm trying to, like, the second verse talks about, like, Instagram, and, like, I think uh, this was coming off of, like, obviously it's about the end of the world, partially. It's coming off post-pandemic life, and this was coming from a time when, like, everybody was on Instagram and social media. Everyone was hopping onto these bandwagons and reposting and resharing the same thing over and over again, and, like, you know, I feel like a lot of people experience this. Uh, Social media was just, like... I'm trying to think of bullshit an echo chamber (laughs) but yeah Uh, an echo chamber of like the same stuff just being like tossed tossed around from person to person Mm. it was like is that what you really think or you're just posting that because like 10 other friends just posted it so now you think you have to as well like do you really what are you doing for that community of people that you just posted about and uh, so I think we were collectively a little frustrated but all of this (laughs) all of this emotion is tied up in a really catchy song Upbeat, catchy tune, right? So that's kind of interesting in terms of the package of the song. We Almost like a lot that. of our songs yeah. that yeah. have like kind of darker tones to them are pretty upbeat and yeah. like modest first, mouse. Yeah, modest yeah, mouse. mouse. That, that sure. comedic. I mean, as a band, people we love to get people laughing at our shows. Yeah, and we want you laughing at our music. Like I love songs that are both like sad, introspective, intense, but also comedic. Like all of us love comedy mm-hmm. love dark comedy you know we have we, we love it we yeah. love going to see stand-up comedians that you know so i think that's sort of like like let's let's take this horrible life event that happened to me and turn it into something funny that we can all laugh about and like you know Communally. it still sucks but we can feel better like yes. that's i think our goal as a band yeah and yeah for podcasts i mean i think to sum up like uh you know People have a lot to say, you know, and uh, <laughs> which ties into like some of the podcast thing, you know, the yeah, social media yeah, podcast. It's yeah. like 
Does they everyone... were all popping up everywhere. Yeah, everything was just popping up. I can I say like... this. Does everyone really need to have a podcast? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I like this yeah, one. This I do. I, I like this I one. Do. I do. That was like sort of yeah. the intent with that lyric, does everyone yeah. need to have a podcast? Yeah. The answer is no. Yeah. But I do I do endorse this one. But the good yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. asked really great questions. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> tell your friends. Sing a song about it. Heck um, yeah. Podcast. Speaking of friends. You just had Willie Carlisle on here I and oh, love that. That's yeah. right. We yeah. saw Willie for the first time at Folk Alliance in Montreal. It's yeah. three, yeah. four years yeah, yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. He's Rip one of those people. Love. I, I talked to him on the internet for an hour and I feel like he's my best friend. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah. just a sweetheart. He is your best friend. Yeah. 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 He, like, yeah. He, he genuinely, he's one of the most genuine yeah. human beings. Like, it, so yeah. if anyone is listening to this and hasn't listened to that episode, I recommend it. Yes, definitely. He's, just, he's yeah. got a lot to say. But Check just out his music. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. On the ground, thinking you're so profound. Your pocket sucks, and I think I hate you. Visions in my head, you may think I'm dead. Sour limes, and I'm the bitter. Talk about the song "My Baby," sure, which you wrote, I yeah. believe. This is a beautiful love song, very pretty sentiments. I'm struck by the vocal performance here, in particular. You yeah. sing this with Sasha. Mm-hmm. To me, kind of the hook of the song, aside from the lovely banjo riff, is the way you kind of hold the notes when you sing this, right? Sometimes really extending them. <laughs> it's cool. But how and when in the creative process was this kind of decision made in terms of the way this song is presented vocally? That's very uh, That's a good on brand for you yeah. <laughs> to uh, have long, big breasts. That's very true. Do you want to tell them about your warm up in the shower? Yes. You sometimes do. Definitely want to hear in that. In the mornings when you shower? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's related. I, like to, I do like to, uh, to warm up in the shower. Uh, <laughs> Vocally. I, vocally, vocally, yes, yes, Long, I do. Like two I do take holds. a deep breath, and I, I like to um, hold a pitch, okay. usually in an ohm of some kind. Mm-hmm. Especially in the shower, I think about taking <laughs> taking the pitch from my gut all the way into like above my the crown. Yes, you know? so that can take. 45 seconds sometimes. For <laughs> one note. You're For one note, yeah. Mm, you know? So this finds so, its way into your song. A lot of it, yes. Yeah. It's very, um, and I've always loved like drone music, you mm-hmm. know, I'm a big fan of like the classical world and stuff like that. Like I'm a big fan of held notes and like changing harmony within one thing that's holding strong and then everything else is kind of just there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I'd say that that definitely has an influence on on the phrasing and everything. Yeah, and I was I was like playing the banjo every single morning, sitting on my couch, just like playing the banjo, and that line came. I forget when and how, but it was just like it just started grooving, you know. Banjo line. You know, so it has this kind of like swingy thing to it, and then it just felt right to kind of like have the vocal be a little sweeter you know Mm -hmm. and a little bit like it doesn't have to hold on to the swing the swing is there 
and then you can just kind of breathe and, and say what you feel. That juxtaposition of like the movement of the banjo versus yeah. the steadiness of your vocal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then with Sash singing on it, it's like, it's, that's a sweet, 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 sweet spot. Yeah. I think that that's like, and then with the ooze and everything, that's, yeah. This guy's the master of breath. You know, I, he's all about breathing. I struggled yeah. for a long yeah. time when we first started. Recording. To hold the to notes. Hold, I can't hold my breath as long as him. And yeah. he would hold this note. <laughs> At the end of every verse for so long, I'm like, dude, like, I can't, I can't keep up with you. Like, we gotta, you gotta work with me. And I would like to point out, it's a love song. It is a love song. song. Yeah. It is a love song. Yeah. That was a that was another one. Yeah. He sent the, just a voice memo of it, like not intentionally made for damn tall buildings. It was mm, just yeah. like, like that, I and I was like, dude, I mean, Let's come on. <laughs> oh, my baby's much more than a pretty face. Got teeth behind the smile. heart that fits right on the sleeve And a love that stretches miles And eyes so far from lying That they stand straight up and about the song sweet girl i'm gonna i'm gonna maybe get more mike goes big picture and big maybe he gets deep and reads too much into things here. i like that it seems like you're trying to i'm gonna quote this line i'm not myself i am everyone else it's the refrain mm -hmm. of the song you get people to sing along live to this as a communal exercise right mm -hmm. Seems like you're trying to slip some Buddhist philosophy in here. Um, yeah. And it's kind of this lyrical vibe. It's kind of echoed in some of your other songs, right? About not, in the song Painter, right? About not knowing who you are. Mm -hmm. I forgot who I was. I hear this kind of coming up in other songs. Mm -hmm. And here we have kind of the summation, kind of this Buddhist end state of realizing that there is no self. I am everyone right yeah. am i on the right track 100 yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely yeah. Well, we've been calling it the motto for the record like you know, the tagline like i am not myself i'm everyone else i feel like a lot of the music is inspired that by that uh for this album yeah you know like like with the songwriting process like we didn't sit down with this album like we're gonna make a theme for this album right uh but it kind of grew out of it and that line came out of like so many different feelings and that's why it's hard to say like what is this song about or what do you what did you think about when you wrote this song like i was thinking about so many things and that line kind of just is the feeling of all the things all of those things <laughs> but you know we were talking about podcasts and the social media stuff and all that like i i realized one day i was like i never make any decisions or like feel anything on my own like I t uh, especially me personally like everything is from influence from everybody else like 
all the influence from what everybody's doing all the time. Like, I don't know if I was in a box with no access to anyone else in the world. It was just me. Like, what would I want to do? Right. Who would I want to be? What would I want to eat? Like, you know, but everything is like, and I'm a sucker for people on Instagram. I'm FOMO about everything. I'm jealous about what you're doing right now. Whoever you listen. <laughs> I'm jealous. It's like, look at these people snowboarding. Yeah, yeah. The way. <laughs> There's an honesty to that. Of yeah. Accepting that. Yeah. That. Oh, yeah, and it's like something that I've worked out in myself. Not worked out. I'm working through it all the time. But, like, yes. I am constantly influenced by everyone. And, like, everyone is. How can we not? Like, you, we live in just, like, these crazy, this crazy world now where you see what everyone's doing all the time. And it's like, how does that not impact what you're thinking about, what you want to do with your life, you yeah. know? Uh, and that's kind of like, yeah, what that is about. I would just keep living life with life is like worth living coffee in the morning well isn't it the middle of the day and there's jupiter and saturn shining bright down through my window and the grass is always greener so i'll be running away but when i am not myself i am everyone else i am not myself i am everyone else i want to say one more thing about this song the line at the end song kind of ends there's a little quiet music and then you sing i'll be thinking about you all sitting down at the end of the day yeah it's a lovely sentiment to finish the song and the song this song comes near the end of the record and the way i kind of see it if if there's any cynicism or ironic observation elsewhere on the record it's kind of undercut here with this one simple line do you you agree with that yeah Yeah. i appreciate that yeah i i do believe that that I, I, it's funny because whenever we sing that live, everyone's so pumped up from singing. And like I sing that line at the end. And like I think sometimes people hear it or, or in it, in it, they feel it. Yes. But I think sometimes like that line is just like the end line. But for me, like I do think that that's maybe one of the best lines I've ever written. And I, I it is an honest line, you know. I, uh, it really hit me. I tell you, the whole record that to me revolves around that lyric i appreciate that yeah that line i i do feel like i don't know where that came from but i I, yeah that's a that's a moment of honesty and i feel like so much of the record is my personality which is like sarcasm and like everything is fun and funny and like whatever but like you know that is in my life all the time and that is in our music all the time and that line i think is like hey you know but it's still a risk to to put that out there for you personally yeah 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 yeah, no, I mean, we, we talk about it a lot at the show, like the... It's like the clown's taking off his makeup Yeah, or yeah, Vulner- yeah, being vulnerable, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's what we're all learning how to do all the time, and we really appreciate it. One, that's another thing, like, audiences come and see us play, and in that moment, they become vulnerable. They're singing songs with us, and they're letting themselves loose, you know, and that's that's what we're trying to do. So, I, how can I ask you to do it if I'm not doing it myself? Yeah. You know? Well, I had a bunch of other stuff for you to talk about, but we've we've had such a great conversation and we're near the end of our time. I think that's a really great place to finish up. Right. Um, kind of a good summary statement, yeah. but you're going to be out on the road. This episode is going to be coming out soon, I think. So if you want to blast any plans or anything you want to talk about, or- we're, Follow us on Instagram. Yeah, follow us on Instagram. Damn tall buildings. We will make you jealous of our lifestyle. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) You want FOMO? Yeah, (laughs) let us know. Uh, No, we'll be playing at Pete's Candy Store in Brooklyn, New York, every Tuesday, except for Valentine's Day. We'll be playing the Monday prior uh, for the month of February. 
We're also going to be on the road uh, in the Northeast in two weeks. We're playing in Portland, uh, Maine, and Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Uh, and then we're going out to uh, Wichita, Kansas. Oh, wow. We love Kansas. Yes, Can't wait to see you all out there. Uh, and we're playing uh, like at this big convention center. for. In the summer, we'll find you out on the festival circuit. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So playing all over the place. Hopefully playing some shows with Buffalo Rose. Yes. yes. Come on. Yeah. If you're out there, book yes. us. That would be a dynamic yeah. double bill. I yeah. agree yes. with that. Sure. Super group at the end. Get out of here. It's going to happen. <laughs> all right. Avery, Max, Sasha, thank you so much for taking the time. This has been a blast. Let's get back out there in those hallways and bump into people with yeah. guitars. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thank you, thank you man. Thank you for having us. Thanks, guys. I am not myself. I am everyone else. And I'll be thinking about you all sitting down at the end of the day.